visit Cape and Cowell Comics at 1601 Clay Street in downtown Oakland, California, open every day, or online at capeandcowlcomics.com. Welcome to the Cape and Cowell Comics Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by two very special guests. We have two local cartoonists, Nomi Kane and Donna Almendrala. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having us. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for being here. So why don't we get started and have you talk a little bit about your backgrounds. Yeah? Um, you want to start, uh, Nomi? Sure. Um, I grew up in Berkeley <laughs> and um, then kind of kind of went off to college to write. I was more on like a writer track than on an artist track. Okay. Um, but I always drew as like a hobby. It was just something I kind of did in my free time. And I, it took me a long time to discover that I could actually do anything with that. Um, but I did eventually learn that there was this very tiny grad school in Vermont, um, the Center for Cartoon Studies that was just for cartoonists. And like, uh, when I learned that it existed, I kind of like let that sit in the back of my mind for a while and, mm-hmm. and it grew and it grew. And finally I decided to apply, um, and just see what happened. Yep. Uh, and I ended up getting in <laughs> Awesome. Uh, and I spent two years of my life in Vermont studying comics and getting an MFA in cartooning, um, which is where I met Donna. <laughs> yes. You both, uh, went through the same program, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, Nomi was class of 2011. Yeah, and then I was just the year after her. Okay, great. And um, yeah, that might be a good uh, next uh, talking point, just that that program, because I know both of you have sort of let me know it's been it's it's a it's a really good program. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because I have I hadn't heard of it until uh, you guys brought it up to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's in a, like, really tiny town in the middle of nowhere, uh, White River Junction, Vermont, which is probably the perfect place to do comics Mm. if you're going to just isolate yourself for one to two years and focus on only that. Um, It's really perfect that it's, there's no distractions, it's a small town. It's a, it was started in 2008 or maybe earlier I think 2005 that. was like when James first yeah kind of yeah it was 10 years space, right? at least yeah. 10 years yeah um and yeah it it's like a class of maybe 10 to 30 people at a time um they're all mm-hmm. usually graduates of at least high school um most of them are mid-20s but ranges all the way up to like 40s 50s 60s um and yeah it's really for everyone to who wants to make comics you go there to learn to make the comics that you want to make the best way that you can Mm. and so the teachers there really focus on like helping you craft your own style and your voice to um be as um representative of like who you are 
and not like they don't try to like form you to like be like you know marvel artists necessarily mm-hmm. or even like indie like uh like seth kind of cartoonist you know uh-huh. um everyone there's really different yeah, that was one of the appealing things about that program. I looked at several different comics programs because there are other bigger art schools that have comics MFAs mm-hmm. under the umbrella of their broader art programs, like SCAD has one and MCAD has one. Mm-hmm. Um, but CCS seemed like the only one that was really about you making the comics that you wanted to make as mm-hmm. opposed to teaching you to draw in some pre-prescribed way. Ah. Um, And they really worked with you on creating things from start to finish, like from having the idea to scripting it, to thumbnailing it, to penciling it, to inking it, to actually like producing a finished book. Like every project at CCS ended with a finished book that Mm -hmm. we then could go sell at conventions. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you've never, maybe you wanted to make comics, but you've never made one before, like you make one in the first like week or two. Oh, wow. Like, they just get you going um, yeah. start to finish. Uh, and, you know, it, with each project, you get hopefully get better and better over time. But, like, yeah, the idea is, like, you just have to do it. And this is, like, a great, like, well, they call the first year, like, boot camp. Mm-hmm. And so it's all, like, fundamentals, um, like, cartooning 101. Uh, really awesome, like, cartooning teachers. Um, like, Jason Lutz is our... Uh, cartooning studio professor and he's just so focused on like how to teach comics and like how comics can like communicate you know any number of uh, ideas or like expression um and he's really big on the whole idea of visual narrative like in his teaching he would bring in all kinds of examples of great visual narrative not just comics like we looked at films and we looked at um we looked at tons of different types of comics and uh, like children's books children's books like it was a very extensive exploration of visual narrative in general um and there's a lot to be you know sometimes people wall themselves off into i'm a cartoonist and i just do comics that's what i do but there's Mm -hmm. a lot to be learned from all the other storytelling art forms yeah um Mm -hmm. Because as we've seen, you know, great drawing doesn't always make a great comic. You have mm-hmm. to be yeah. a good storyteller. Because if, if your story is boring or your story is, you know, trite and cliche, it doesn't matter how beautifully you drew it, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, there's like um, this sweet spot, I think, of being like, you're not, the drawing's not like, beautiful masterpiece paintings but like it really for for the way that I what I learned from there is that it's about communication and Mm -hmm. what's how do you effectively um you know get my idea into your head as you read it and that's that's hard to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah how long is the program it's two years mm-hmm. uh, if you want to do the MFA. It's two okay. years. Yeah. And the first year, like Donna said, the first year is boot camp. Or I think of it as like throwing you in the deep end. Like, yeah. here's everything you need to know to make comics for the rest of your life. Okay. Now do all of it really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second year is a thesis year. So most people work on one or two projects throughout okay. the whole year. And you get a thesis advisor who's somebody who's been in the comics world for a while and 
is more seasoned and can kind of be your support system while you work on a longer term project. Right. Yeah. And I think that's like a great format. Just you, you want to make sure people have the fundamentals to make the stories that they want to mm-hmm. make. And then because second year is so like um, self-directed, you really can do as do whatever you want that helps you get um, your finished mm-hmm. product. Now, in in the comics industry, we see a lot of specialization, right? There's people who are considering themselves comics writer, or I'm just an artist, you know. Um, the program sounds like you kind of learn everything, right? So what, like, let's say there's someone who hears this episode is like, oh, that sounds great, but, you know, I can't draw. Like, I kind of want to write comics, or maybe vice versa. Like, what would you say to, like, a person is that standpoint? We, we did have some people in the program um, who, like, Tim Stout was not drawing at all. He was just writing. Um, and his wife, who also did the program at the same time, Catherine Ray, her new book is out. You should go find it, How to Be an Elephant. It's beautiful. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> but she is this incredible illustrator. And they kind of did the program as a team, which was cool. Oh. Like, he was, you know, they... They both had ideas for everything, but she was doing most of the art and he was doing most of the writing. And like, um, the school is actually pretty open to making the program work for you. That is one of the things that's beautiful about going to a really tiny grad school. Like, I don't know if other people had this experience, but in undergrad, I went to Columbia College, Chicago, the art school, not the smart school. Mm. Um, And it's, you know, 20,000 students. So if you wanted a class in something that wasn't offered, it was impossible to get through that bureaucracy and and get the thing you wanted. Whereas at CCS, there were 22 of us in my class, and you could just kind of walk into James's office or Steve's office and go, "Hey, can we do can we do a session on lighting?" Or can we, and it would happen. They would make it happen for you. Yeah, I mean, and I personally like I would love it if comics writers wanted to take like a cartoon class because it feels like the this the way you tell stories through comics while you are writing it's not necessarily through the words it's also through like the panel layout the composition mm-hmm. the drawing and i think even if you can't draw like going through like how do you tell this story because you don't always have to write everything as if you were writing a screenplay or writing a prose um and yeah i mean if if the big like the big comics publishers like did actually have writers that were like from comics backgrounds it would improve you know like the superhero stuff by mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah i can't even imagine it but yeah. um in a lot of ways writing is it's like valued higher in that industry like they get paid more um that's well, bullshit right like, <laughs> given given that the art takes so much more time. Right. Brian Kavon sort of talked about that with Saga uh-huh. and Fiona Staples, the artist, you know, and he's like worked, he's like said in interviews like how he's worked to get her like rate as high as his or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just wish like that commitment of writing for comics specifically was more um, pervasive throughout the whole thing. And yeah, writers should definitely like learn specifically like write for comics even if you can't draw you could even just learn like basic symbol symbols to like get across drawing if you couldn't actually like if 
you didn't want to spend time learning how to do anatomy. Use you know? Ed Emberley's book. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, some of the best comics have, like, really, like, simple art. Right, like the oatmeal or the... People love that stuff. They don't care. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So it sounds like the program is really great in that it can... You can, you can kind of make it your own, right? And um, from the work I've seen from both of you, it seems like it's quite personal, and it, you guys are really creating what you wanted to create, really. Um, so I'd love to know, like, influences. What sort of stuff do you like, and and how has it kind of informed your your work? Yeah, I think I think the first time it occurred to me that I could make comics about whatever the fuck I wanted to make comics about uh, was when I read Dan Klaus. Uh, when I started reading uh, 20th Century 8-Ball, I was yes. like, wow, you can literally <laughs> make comics about anything, and it's yeah. funny, and it's great, and, you know, it, it spoke to me because I was living in Chicago at that time, and he had lived in Chicago, and a lot of oh, those right. comics were, like, taking place yeah. in that in that space that I lived in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I could just make comics about the weird shit that happens to me. Yeah. Um, and then I and then I started doing it because there had always been this barrier to entry in some way of like, you know, you have to have this great epic saga to draw comics. And I, that was the first time I realized that I didn't need that, that just the basic yeah. things that happen to a person mm-hmm. can connect to a reader. Um, yeah. And, and real quick, Dan Klaus, I'm a big fan too but he did ghost world art school confidential and he, he continues to do amazing, amazing work right so yeah that's awesome How and about, then and yeah. then from there i got into a lot of other stuff like in that vein i discovered like basically most of phanographics catalog i think and was like Wah! <laughs> yeah um, i actually interned at phanographics for a while so we can come back to that oh wow okay yeah, it is kind of interesting when you like you think that there's only superhero stuff or newspaper stuff, and then you discover like fanographics and drawn and quarterly as an adult. Um, yeah. Well, that's how I discovered it. But yeah, I I I really didn't read too many comics. I grew up on Archie and <laughs> mm-hmm. Calvin and Hobbes. Um, yeah. And just lots of animated TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I think today I would say a lot of my influence is coming from the people that I've met at CCS. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually hold a lot of those peers and friends um, like as standards for myself to like try to learn from them, which is kind of cool. Um, in terms of like bigger names, I. Peanuts is a huge influence on me now, especially because mm. I work there and I'm like mm-hmm. always reading it. Sometimes I'll even like crib jokes on accident because like I read it like a year ago <laughs> and now it just like came out. Um, and yeah, it's so hard to not do that. But well, especially when Charles Schultz made like close to eighteen thousand strips, it's hard to find a joke he never made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're all. Yeah, they're always just like perfect little humor pieces. And so I do tend to gravitate towards humorous, fun stuff. Um, Although I I love Love and Rockets. Oh, yeah. um, I really like the Dungeon Saga from Louis Trondheim and Jan Spar. Uh, Those are like really up there for me. Awesome. Yeah. 
So you brought up peanuts. Um, let's talk about that a bit because um, I think what's super cool about you both is that you you make self-published comics, but it's not a situation where it's like, oh, you have this soul-crushing day job and then you're free after work to make your own comics. Your day job, to me, is like super cool too. You work at the Peanut Studio in Santa Rosa, right? Yeah. So tell, tell us about what that's like. Yeah, we're not Harvey Pekaring over here at all. We're, <laughs> uh, we get to do fun stuff at work, and then we get to go home and do more fun stuff, which is uh, a state of immense privilege, I, I realize. Know, we're so lucky. Yeah. We're so lucky. Uh, the Schultz Studio, actually, I, I think, Donna, this goes for both of us, but we actually got to the Schultz Studio through CCS um, wow. because um, Paige, who is our uh, executive director at the Schultz Studio, um, is friendly with James Sturm, who's the founder of CCS and my thesis advisor. Um, so when she was looking to fill some positions in the studio, she had emailed James and was like, do you have anyone, any alumni that would be interested in these jobs? And Donna and I were both like, hey, <laughs> I actually, we applied for the same job to begin with and Donna got it. <laughs> well, ah. You followed like literally a month after. Anyway. Um, yeah, great. I do. I I, ho- I wholly credit where I am today through CCS. That's great. Like, it's yeah. Sometimes I uh, get you know um, existential. And I'm like, oh, I, what would I have done with thirty thousand dollars? But mm-hmm. then it's like I can't. You can't necessarily put the value. Yeah. On. Um, yeah. Oh man, I have overwhelming moments of like the butterfly flapped its wings, right? Like what if my dad hadn't read an article about CCS on a Southwest flight Mm. and like brought home Spirit Magazine and been like, hey, you should look at this. Like it's the tiniest. Well, you know, the weird thing is I found about CCS from, I was reading American Elf by James Kuchalka, um, supposedly. (laughs) No, he's a great cartoonist. Um, And I think that I was just like doing my day job which was um I was a research assistant in this uh biology lab um and I was kind of hating it um and so I was reading comics when I would get home uh and I saw like James Kachalko was doing his diary comics every day and like he talked about teaching at CCS early on and I was like what is there a school for comics that's crazy and like this man is crazy in his stories and (laughs) he's living a dream life and could I actually have that yeah and um it just sort of got curious and started reading about it right and um just to further the point it's not like you're at the peanut studio like mopping the floors either you're both uh you both you you have the title staff artist right although i sometimes clean up (laughs) yeah no one's refilling the bathroom it is a nightmare i'm just curious about um what does what what do your roles entail what do you exactly do there yeah um i would say a big part of our job um is is about licensing so you Mm -hmm. know peanuts is a massive licensing empire um and and people feel different ways about that my my philosophy about the licensing being everywhere is that it actually is the thing that brings people to peanuts at this point right i mean it's running Mm -hmm. in syndication but newspapers are going away and the idea that 
kids are coming to Peanuts and finding it and loving it in a new generation because their grandma sent them a greeting card that had Snoopy on it or bought them a Snoopy lunchbox. So I don't, and I think Charles Schultz knew that. I think he wasn't just, you know, yes, sure, make lots of money. Like obviously everyone wants to make lots of money, but he knew that it would be the legacy that kept the strip alive, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, um, so I have no qualms with the licensing. (laughs) But um, a big part of our job is looking at licensed product from all over the world and making sure that it meets our standards of, um, how would you phrase that? Standards, like... Oh, that it, you know, it retains this original spirit of Charles Schultz's strip. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we're not creating new characters or... Yeah, the way... say things they wouldn't... The way I like to explain this to people usually is, like, if I asked you what you know about Hello Kitty, the answer is usually almost nothing, right? She has no personality at all. Or if she does, no one knows what it is. And that's because Hello Kitty can be on anything to mean anything because there's no scruples about what she does and does not represent. But then when I ask people, what do you know about Snoopy? He has a whole personality. Everyone's like, you know, he's the playful dog who doesn't think he's a dog and goes on all these wild adventures in his mind and, you know, is kind of the, the, what's the word? He's the, (laughs) I don't know what I'm looking for, to like Charlie Brown's, he's like, he's like the high to Charlie Brown's low, but there's something like, yeah, yeah. he's the free, low, free spirit, imaginative. But people know that, and the reason they know yeah, that is yeah. because there's a lot of protection happening of that intellectual property. Because we're looking at things, our whole team is looking at things. There's, you know, 16 of us um, looking at things from all over the world at all times, uh, and making sure that those characters are true to themselves. Right. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so with that comes, we do a lot of art we create art for the licensed product. Um, Mm -hmm. Not necessarily like redrawing everything, but sometimes uh, a licensee wants an image that like was drawn like a really long time ago and due to like archival reasons, we just don't have that image anymore. But we were letting them try to recreate the product just because it's it's worth doing. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think uh, there's like a pr- production art involved. There's inking, penciling. Um. Yeah, we do. I mean, our creative projects are all over the place. Like, it definitely ranges from stuff like you know either recreating or or um, tweaking a pose that someone yeah. needs that has been damaged over time um, to creating like actual. New st- like I did peanuts emojis for us last year. There's a good example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because oh. Charles like, Schultz didn't foresee that we would need emojis. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone did. <laughs> yeah, um, and and for a long time we were doing this series with Boom Studios. Yeah, um, the peanuts floppy comics that you can oh. find in the stores, and those were all created mm-hmm. in house. Donna did a lot of art on that. Yeah, like we did coloring, um, lettering, cover design. Um, you know, it's all based 
stories come from the original strip you just sort of flesh it out to be like a start middle end Mm because you know the strips don't really have that structure um yeah it's expanding you know the strips sometimes had storylines that would go through like a couple weeks or a month or something and so it was taking those storylines and expanding them to be kind of multi-page comics as opposed to like one strip every day yeah um but still staying true to the things that those characters did and would do and yeah. are interested in. Yeah, and there's it's incredible just because the catalog is so huge. There's so many stories you can pull. Yeah. Um, like and because Snoopy's such like a playful, like dress up costume kind of guy, he uh you know, he's even doing like secret missions, he's mm-hmm. uh you know, the flying ace. Um I like Peppermint Patty dropping out of school to go to obedience school with Snoopy instead. <laughs> one of my favorite ones. <laughs> yeah, nice. there's just a lot there. Um, and hopefully, uh, as time goes on and um, we continue to try to like keep reaching younger generations, we basically have to like think of ways to get Peanuts stories into people's hands, into their homes, <laughs> um, not just necessarily wear it on a t-shirt um yeah and we're always you know we're always trying to like find that balance between you know obviously we need to create and things that are sellable for our licensees Mm -hmm. and we need to give them stuff they can work with yeah um that will sell to their markets and but also at the same time trying to create things that really keep peanuts peanuts and yeah. um and will connect with people the way that the strip has always connected mm-hmm. with people oh like one cool thing nomi did like over the summer was the peanuts adult coloring book ah. like that's just like a perfect way to connect with one of like the big things that sort of like was taking over um cultural like consumer <laughs> consciousness yeah, totally. Um, and get peanuts in on that trend, um, but also just because it works, uh, it's cool art. Um, yeah, available now from Andrew's McMeal Publishing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can buy it. It's like awesome. it's like hundreds of pages too, right? It's like 128 pages oh, wow. of. Uh, I I will say publicly now that. I will give $50 to anyone who colors in the whole thing because <laughs> it is insane. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Or to the first person who <laughs> colors in the whole thing. Let's, <laughs> let's start there. Right, right, right. Cool. Yeah, but you brought up a good point that about like the, the personality of the Peanuts characters. Like I've always really dug Peanuts more so than like the Disney characters. You brought up Hello Kitty. And I always kind of wondered why. I think that's a big part of it. You really know these characters, you know. Um, Like Mickey Mouse is an iconic image, but who's to say, like, what his personality is like, really? Yeah, he can be anything. Yeah, really. I mean, he's happy, I guess, and that's about (laughs) it. But, you know. I think Mickey Mouse is usually, like, putting out fires. Like, his personality is really just, like, constantly fighting catastrophe, right? Yeah, like, he's he's on the little steamboat. Yeah, there's always something, like, goes epically wrong in the first, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, (laughs) and you can relate to that, kind of, but there's, yeah, there's not a whole lot of personality there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I do think we struggle sometimes in that, like, 
there is a little bit of tug of war with the licensees where people are constantly going, oh, give us more poses where Charlie Brown is happy. And I always want to just send an email back and be like, Charlie Brown is not a happy guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, he just yeah. isn't. Like, right, exactly. Yeah. You should, people should know that. Yeah, I mean, right. like, we need more smiling Charlie Brown. Well, that's just not who he is, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's why people yeah. love him. Because yeah. he echoes your despair. Right. And that's what... <laughs> Snoopy's there for really right, right? right he's the happy guy right right like I actually wonder what the ratio is of like how much peanuts if you read the strip connects to kids versus adults because it's just so resonant with more complex like feelings of course kids can experience that it's mm-hmm. easy to read and relate to yeah oh peanuts is way more meaningful to me as an adult than it was as a kid reading the Sunday papers like I I looked at it as a kid and was like cute pictures and a dog yeah but like, I gotta draw this yeah I gotta draw Charlie Brown. but I didn't think about what any of it meant at that age I was really into for better or for worse that was like my favorite oh, yeah. comic strip that. as a kid yeah until they killed the dog in the night never <laughs> I still am mad at you Lynn Johnson <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> let's let's move on to um your self-published works yeah tell us a little bit about uh, what you guys do there um, I have been drawing mostly short uh, stories. They usually involve some kind of ape. Um, <laughs> I am just sort of drawn to those characters. Uh, oh, just real quick, <laughs> I, I'm just curious uh, where the the ape theme the, the ape thing came from. Like, you seem to have kind of a curiosity, maybe even a fascination yeah. with, with apes. I honestly can't um, explain it. <laughs> I, I, like, go home sometimes to my childhood home, and then I just find random monkey things. <laughs> and it didn't occur to me that it was a thing that I was gravitating toward. Um, I mean, in terms of, like, pop culture, I'm, I love ape movies. Um... But I haven't seen the new King Kong yet, so sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm saving it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, I just... Uh, it's not necessarily that I am obsessed with them. I just think that as in terms of comics and storytelling, it's just the window in which I'm able to express mm-hmm. myself. Um, yeah. And so... I have just been drawing, um, I, I started back at CCS this one series called Chimps in Space, and it was sort of based on, uh, yeah, actual NASA missions where they would send out poor chimps and <laughs> basically just perform experiments on them yeah. to test before getting like John Glenn out there. Um, and so I just sort of like took that idea and tried to, um, just explore storytelling. So, cause I think I'm, um, I'm more interested in sort of the, the humor in, uh, subtle interactions, conversations, mm-hmm. um, and I also have been doing some experimental comics that involve a submarine but um those are usually just like me wanting to try a new art style and Mm -hmm. so i just want to turn it into a new story um and there's not necessarily a cohesive theme through all of it but uh, i guess i'm just trying to develop my craft basically cool 
are you a fan of the the Planet of the Apes franchise? The new one, yes. Yeah, or any of it, all of oh, it. Oh, the no. old one, yes. Yeah, yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the new one, I'm super excited about because July 14th is War. Of That's the right. Planet yeah, Apes, and it looks incredible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm on board with the old and the new and yeah. all of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very cool stuff. It's uh, it's all sort of like bleeding into the stories I end up making just because I just love that stuff so much and I want to pay homage to it in a way. Awesome. Yeah. The only misstep really I think was the the Tim Burton one. Did you see oh, that one? Oh yes I did. Yeah. With Mark, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of money involved and and Burton has made some good movies in his career yeah. but that was not and I one like, of them. <laughs> I love Mark Wahlberg. I was just so creeped out by the um, the romance. Oh like, yeah. I get, I get that like there's a connection and in a way that they're like intellectually equal. But yeah. It just I couldn't get over the the way they tried to pair off the the ape and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, that was a little weird, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, how about you, Nomi? What about your uh, self-published works? Yeah. Um, that is a great question. I have not been doing as much self-publishing lately as I used to because the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> and making books is expensive and hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also just been doing a lot more short form than mm-hmm. I used to. Like, um when I was at CCS and and the first couple of years after I left CCS, I did a lot of sort of longer form autobio and like fiction that was based on stories people had told me from their lives. Um, but recently, I really just do political cartooning, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is like a gag and it's done and another gag tomorrow yeah. and it's done. Um, so self-publishing has become like internet publishing, uh-huh. yeah. um, which is interesting. It's a different, it's kind of a different form because you have to be fast. You have to think of it yeah. before someone else thinks of it and get it out to respond to the crazy fast news cycle that mm-hmm. we have right now. Yeah. Like by the time you draw something, something else shitty will have happened. Um, <laughs> right now so um it's a very interesting time to be doing that yeah yeah i checked out some of your stuff and it seems like maybe you're not the biggest fan of our current president uh (laughs) but he certainly has provided you with a lot of source material i guess you could say (laughs) trump's a job creator it's true (laughs) he's bringing him back he's he's bringing back cartooning jobs and journalism jobs there you and, go uh, if there's a silver lining maybe that yeah that's and comedy stand-up comics are doing great under trump yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's interesting to um i find that there's i have a lot more ideas and i feel a lot more creative um and have just a way bigger well to draw from when i allow my inspiration to come from outside rather than trying to search myself for something Mm -hmm. to tell. Um, I find it difficult to stick with long form fiction. Like Mm -hmm. it'll seem like a great idea, but by the time I've like penciled the first like five pages, I'm kind of sick of my own idea. So the great thing about doing short form is you draw it and it's out there and it's over. And by the time you hate it, 
it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that is one of the hardest things I think creators do struggle with is the... Yeah, pushing through that idea that's like, this is actually really dumb. <laughs> and yeah. I'm spending my time, like, my free time uh, working on this thing that uh, you just don't know, like, what's going to happen to it or, like, how it'll turn out. Um, and it, I guess that's a scary proposition if, like, you are pressed for time. Um, but, yeah, I've, I haven't really figured that out. <laughs> I'm trying to yeah. ignore it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Donna, you mentioned you use comedy in your work. It seems like Nomi, you do that a lot too, right? So, where do you think that comes from? I, I always find, to me, it, it's it's very effective because I, I'm drawn to stuff that you know makes me laugh and I get a chuckle out of. But uh, as a creator, where does that where does that come from? Well, and I think comedy, it's storytelling in general, but especially comedy comes from shared experience, right? That's yeah. why you laugh when we see yeah. something is you're like, I've had that thought too, or that has happened to me as well, mm -hmm. um, is where so much of that comes from. And that's why people love comedy, right? It like gives us a common thread with, you know, whoever, whoever else is out there and creating content. Um, and I think, I think especially in, times like these when things are a bit bleak um you have to have a sense of humor it's like yeah. the only possible otherwise you just be like crying all the time <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean and i just think also that life is just accidentally funny um maybe not intentionally uh if you think about peanuts he was you know it was humor um but the things that are funny are very sad uh like um, you know, Charlie Brown, they finally win the baseball game and he's at home and wasn't part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, See, that's and, funny. Yeah, and it's... <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, I think I, like Nomi said, I just connect to humor. Um, yeah, being able to laugh about something is just a really powerful shared experience. Cool. It's a coping mechanism. It's True. a It's a bonding mechanism. It's so many things um yeah that we need <laughs> yeah like how do yeah. you deal with the horrible things that are happening yeah definitely <laughs> yeah i thought we talk a little now about how i first met you both it was at the east bay zine fest in berkeley and um this is a nice segue because comedy is what kind of drew me to your table like nomi you had a little zine called artsy fartsies Oh yeah, I love drawing farts, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's this little zine of just different types of farts, essentially, <laughs> right? And I just, I, the moment I saw it, I just, I just like laughed immediately. I'm like, I gotta know what this is about, you know? So I mean, there we go, right? Comedy, sort of. And there you go. Everyone you know? farts, and it's funny. <laughs> yeah, everyone can re relate. Yeah. <laughs> little do you know that she had been planning this fart scene for a very long time. <laughs> I had, I'd been thinking about farts for months. <laughs> right? It was like years almost. You were like, I should do a fart zine. I should draw farts, all the different farts. Oh, so this wasn't like on a whim. This was like years in the making. It just took me a long time to actually commit it to paper. <laughs> That's awesome. I had a lot to think about there. There are many types of farts and the sounds that they make. I mean, the way to write out those sounds can be tricky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, 
I um, I'm glad I went to the fest. Not just you know, not only you have to meet awesome people like you two, but um, a lot of cool stuff there. Um, just the the style of art, just across completely across the board. You know, all kinds of different styles and um, a lot of different types of artists. You know. Yeah. Um, how did you two uh, come to attend uh, the Zine Fest? The East Bay Zine Fest. I've done SF Zine Fest for a long time. I love okay. SF Zine Fest. That is a great show, and everyone should go to it. And it's so much fun. Um, and then when I think, I don't know if some of the same people were involved in getting the East Bay Zine Fest together, but somehow through those channels. Um, someone reached out to me and, and told me it was happening. So I think we did it the first year mm-hmm. it happened. And I've gone mm-hmm. I've gone every year since then, have you? Uh, yeah. Well, I skipped one year, but I'd, I'd love to go. Um, usually, Naomi lets me share a table with her. Um, and I very much appreciate it because <laughs> she's probably already, you know, I saw you Monday through Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Let's sit together for another day. <laughs> no, we get along remarkably well for how much time we spend together. <laughs> yeah, so that kind of struck me. So you both went to school together in Vermont, and now you work at the same workplace, and you carpool together, <laughs> and you go to these uh, zine fests together. Yeah. Is it, uh, what's, what's it like being, and, and you're essentially, Kind of have a very similar have similar careers and and work right yeah definitely yeah. i mean i uh i see it like teamwork i guess um yeah it's always so such a relieving feeling when i'm at when we're at the peanut studio um to know that there are people like nomi who um are supportive and share similar uh similar tastes and um, beliefs uh, you know has your back when you need to get something done um, and then in the comic stuff too I I I mostly I think I am mooching more from Nomi because she's the one that's getting up <laughs> she like she's the one that does the networking uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I just appreciate that yeah awesome. I feel like it's to just piggyback on what Donna said. It's really great to be on a team with someone else who I know that we see eye to eye on like what our purpose is in the studio and like the work that we're doing. And it's it's good to like have a companion and coworker who I can always like, you know, if something's not working, I can bring it over to Donna's desk and be like, what's wrong with this? And like, you know, Mm-hmm. it's great to have that backup. We also have a running joke in the office that um, if something's wrong with your computer, you tell Donna to come look at it, and the second she stands near it, it goes away, <laughs> <laughs> which is completely true. So Donna helps me with all my like tech idiocy, from which I suffer greatly. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, sometimes you just need someone to stand next to you. I agree. <laughs> I witnessed that myself. <laughs> okay, so... Um, yeah, I have to say, uh, both of you are incredibly talented, and I love your work. Super awesome, um, and I'd love to share. So, um, why don't you guys plug where we can check out some of your stuff? 
Yeah. Sure. Um, well, I hope you guys know how to spell macaque. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but my website is www.madmacaques.com. Okay. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at madmacaques. Uh, that's also my Instagram and Tumblr. Uh, you can also just Google my name. It's probably one. There's not very many Donna Almondralas, so. There you go. Yeah, and, uh... Me, you can find me at nomikane.com, and it's N-O-M-I-K-A-N-E. I know both of those are confusing to spell, but <laughs> easy to say. Yeah. Um, nomikane.com. You can also find me on The Nib, um, which is this really, really rad comics website that does political cartooning and nonfiction comics, um, which you should check out because there are a bunch of amazing artists on there telling you really important stuff through comics. Yeah, that's where I get my news. Most of it. (laughs) Um, And you can follow me on Instagram. I'm just Nomi Kane. And on Twitter, I am Nomi Ramon, because that is a holdover from when I was a teenager and I thought I should be the fifth member of the band. Oh, well, that's pretty awesome. I have not changed it. (laughs) Very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. And with that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Henry, Nomi, and Donna.